I do want to, I know we did this earlier, but I do want to personally uh, say hello to our global family. One more time, X Church, can you help me welcome everyone tuning in online, our X fam? So glad that you're with us. If I haven't met you, if I'm a new face to you, I'm Russ. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. Hey, if you're in the room and you're brand new, welcome. You know, I say this every time I speak, but if you are new and you hate today, come back because I'm not the lead pastor. And uh, I'm just telling you, I'm so glad that you're here with us, though. This is the kind of place, we say it all the time, where you can belong before you believe. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter where you come from. This, I, I believe this church should not be a museum for the saints, but a hospital for the sick. So if you feel like, man, I don't even know where I'm at today, today is for you. And this place is for you. And I do want to tell you something right off the bat about me. If you are new, I, I mentioned this uh, a few months ago when I preached, and Pastor Tim even mentioned this a couple weeks ago, kind of in a demeaning way, I felt like. And so something I need to tell you about me that's really important is I did practice martial arts. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, that's. But, and I mean I, I mean, I got up to third degree black belt, not a big deal, but it is. And, uh, you know, I was one of those people that my parents forced me into it in second grade, hated martial arts. It was Taekwondo. But have you, have you ever, have you ever not been into something, but then you meet somebody that's really into something and they're like passion rubs off on you? You ever been there? This is a quiet love 15. You with me? You ever been there? You ever like not been into something? You ever like didn't like a type of music, but then you were with someone that listened to that type of music and then you got into it? You ever hated a TV show, but then you met someone that was into that TV show, got you into it? This is what happened with me in martial arts. I actually met somebody that was really into martial arts in seventh grade, and uh, his name was Rainer, and <laughs> it really was his name. His name was Rainer, and I got so obsessed with martial arts. Uh, Bruce Lee became my idol, became my hero. Uh, if you can picture this uh, nerdy seventh grade Russ Moore in the summer, I, I would eat short grain brown rice and drink water and do Jeet Kundo exercises all day long, Bruce Lee posters on the wall. And I, I ended up like, you know, investing in like swords and samurais and samurais. Those, those were the ninja warriors, sorry. Not, but you know, I would, I would invest in all these weapons. I was obsessed. And I just thought you may like to hear the pinnacle of my martial arts career. Would you like to hear it? That's not very, that, that, that was not, would you like to hear it? Okay, so I was part of this martial arts traveling demonstration team. And one day, uh, this was I think seventh or eighth grade, my, uh, the, the, the leader over us gave me, I, I guess what you would call a solo at this martial arts tournament demonstration. I was given the privilege to step forward in front of everyone and break three boards on fire. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, the boards were not as, as sturdy as you would think they were. I'm pretty sure I saw someone sneeze near one once and it was exploded. But it, and they would put pennies between the boards, so you know it wasn't you know as, as tough. But I, I remember I was so excited. But of course, you know, if you're anything like me, like especially in seventh grade, the 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 really important part was making sure my parents captured this on film. So I could watch it back, you know, the next day as I'm having breakfast. And so my parents, unfortunately, came in late. So I'm getting ready to walk up to do my magic and, you know, stun the crowds while the audiences break the three boards on fire, if I haven't mentioned that already. And my parents walk in late. I'm waiting for them to get the camera out and record. And I keep looking over there, and they're not moving. And I'm just going to be honest. I was a little frustrated. 
I was thinking, this is the moment. Like, this is the moment that you record. And so I started doing that. You know, you do those little nonverbal cues that you hope nobody will notice. Like, you know, like, you're saying, hey, to everybody. Like, right here, right now, this is, this is about to happen. Still didn't move. I, kept, I started getting a little bit more nonverbally aggressive. They still didn't move. Finally, I just looked at him and I, I did this. And my dad, straight up, just goes right back to me. I was thinking, what the crap? Like, what? This is my moment. Never got out the camera. I gave one last lingering disapproving glare and stepped forward and did my magic anyways and sliced through the wood like butter. You just need to know. Like, it was magical. Thank you. And at the end of uh, the experience, my, my parents came up to me and they're like, son, we're so proud of you. And I said, that's wonderful. Can I ask you a question? Why did you not film it? And my poor daddy goes, son, I did. My question is, why were you yelling at that random couple over in the corner? And, and I said, and so. Enter seventh grade, the year I discovered I needed glasses. I, I'm serious. I, 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 was, I was a few weeks away from my annual checkup. And, and legitimately, I, I needed glasses. And um, so that, I know that poor couple is still confused to this day why I was so angry and furious. And so I discovered I needed glasses. To be honest, you know those, those awkward years? I don't know if it was middle school or high school for you. And you may be thinking, well, Pastor Russ, these are still your awkward years. But seventh and eighth grade were my awkward, awkward years. And just, just glasses were not going to work. So it lasted about a week, and I was like, nope. And I think my mom bought me enormous glasses, if I'm remembering correctly. And, you know, they were in now. They were not in then. I did not wear my glasses. They realized I was not going to wear my glasses. Long story short, they didn't buy me contacts. I was pretty irresponsible with my contacts, so I didn't wear my contacts. Fast forward a few years, I'm telling you all, all this stuff that I know that you care so much about. I got into my first year of college. The company I worked with covered dental insurance. I got LASIK, and a story, now I can see. The reason... The reason I tell you all this um, is because it makes me kind of angry because I, I, I've read before where Jesus would instantly heal people that couldn't see. But for me, my healing was a process. And I, this is going to be probably the most simple message I've, I've ever talked to you about. But I just want to have a conversation. I, I, for some reason, this whole week, I've not been able to get off my mind this concept of everything in life, at least that matters, is a process. Have you ever thought of it like that? It's a process. In fact, my, can I just tell you my daily favorite process? My daily favorite process, this may sound weird, you can judge me all you want to, is making coffee. My favorite, do I have any coffee fans in the room? All right, on three, I want you to yell your favorite place to get coffee. One, two, three. Overwhelmingly, Starbucks. Are there any weird, what's it called, Timmy Tom Hortons? Billy Bob, what was it? Tim Hortons, Okay. I'm still new to Ohio, so I thought that was a Canadian thing. But any, any, any people that we need to pray for that just love Tim Hortons? You love Tim Hortons? Okay. So for, but for me, like as I discovered five or six years ago that I like coffee black if it's a pour over. I've lost the entire audience. So I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your entire life. You need to go somewhere and ask for a pour-over because if you get a pour-over, it's this process. It takes a little bit longer, but what it does is it makes the coffee that much stronger and that much smoother, and it extracts all the notes and all the flavor, and it will change your life. 
And it's my favorite part of the morning. And here's what I found out is that in almost every area of life, it's all about the process. And in fact, uh, maybe you know what it's like that uh, you finally get your dream job and you think, man, life is made now, life is set now. And then you realize really quickly that I may have my dream job, but at the end of the day, there's still a learning curve and there's still coworkers involved and there's still ups and downs in life. And you discover pretty quickly, it's a process. There's gonna be a process to every parent in the room. Now look, I don't know this firsthand, but I got enough friends that are young parents to know that you probably had a day where you thought, man, I'm gonna have this parenting thing down and I've been secretly judging how all the other parents do it, but I know how I'm gonna parent and I've read every parenting book and I have this thing down and I am just on cloud nine because I have a new addition in the family. But enter that one day where your tiny little human being develops vocal cords and says that satanic word, do you know? And then you probably turn to your spouse in that moment if you're married and say, this is going to be a process. And let's get down to where we are. Grief's a process. Depression's a process. Maybe some of you in the room, this has been your journey, and you know that maybe you've entered that week where you're like, man, I, I, feel, like, I feel like I'm getting better. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe, maybe there's an area in your life where you're like, I feel like I'm getting better. Like I feel like I'm making progress. I can begin to taste food again. I'm getting my head above water again. And then what happens? You have a week that blindsides you, right? And you learn really, really quickly, if there's anything you learn about depression, anxiety, addiction, whatever it is, it's a process. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be a process. <laughs> that was so unenthusiastic. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's a process. But can I tell you what I've learned is that the good stuff is found in the process. In fact, if you were to go see a movie today that didn't have the process, you would walk away and say, that movie was the worst movie I've ever seen, even if you didn't know why. Because if they entered and introduced the conflict, and then on minute 10, they summarized it, and they met the conflict, there would be no story. Because the story's in the process. The, the power is in the process. The, the miracle, in fact, if you're taking notes, because we say around here that note takers are history makers, maybe you can go ahead and write the title, The Miracle of Process. And I want to encourage you to think about what process are you in right now? Like what process, because everything in life, you could study great athletes and look at their highlight reels, but if you get close enough, you're going to realize, well, there's a process that took them to get there. Same thing with business, same thing with anything in life. You, you could go to a supermarket, isn't it crazy, in the 21st century and grab an apple and not realize the process it took to get there of planting and harvesting. And, and we just, I don't know if you're anything like me, I have a tendency to really, really want the harvest, but to ignore or despise the process. And here's what I know about you right off the bat. I'm, not, I'm gonna try not to get too excited right off the bat because this is a little bit more of a practical teaching. But here's what I know is that God has promises over every single person in this room. But I heard, one, I heard somebody say this one time. They said, to, to uh, dream about the promise without embracing the process is to live in fantasy. That for anything in life, there's a, pro in fact, if you think about, for me, if I think about all my heroes in scripture, if I think about Joseph, God gives Joseph as a teenager a dream. But think about the next 19 years of pits and prisons and betrayal. Have you ever had God speak to you something awesome or you left here on a Sunday morning? Man, I am ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I am so excited. And then the next 20 days are countered to everything you just felt. Any real people in the room? Like God gives you a promise and then the next nine seasons seem to go against everything you've prayed for? 
And so God, I heard a, um, one of my favorite pastors and communicators a few years ago, John Mark Comer, he said it this way. He said, whenever God gives you a dream, from the beginning of the dream to the end of it is usually four words. Longer, harder, different, but better. From the, think about it. God gives you a dream, but it, doesn't it just always seem to take longer? You have this, this desire, but then it just it looks different. It, it, it's way harder, but if you stick with God at the end of the day, it's going to be better. Longer, harder, different, better. And so I was thinking about this whole thing of process, and one character in particular that I, I want to extract a few principles from his life. He's one of my favorite Old Testament characters. His name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king. He was uh, one of the few good kings of, a tri- of the southern kingdom of Judah. If you're familiar with uh, scripture at all, the Old Testament, after God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, they went through a season where they had judges that ruled over them, but eventually they wanted a king. Uh, God wanted to be their immediate king, but they just insisted, no, God, we want a king like the other nations. So then they had Saul, then they had David, then they had Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom split into, I know you don't care, but this, this might help give context, into the 10 northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Israel. And the two southern tribes of Israel were called Judah. So if you're ever reading through scripture, you wonder, what is Judah? That is when the kingdoms split in two. And Judah, honestly, had almost no good kings. They only had two that weren't evil, and one of them was this guy named Hezekiah, and I love Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He ruled for 29 years. He was a reformer. He was a leader of leaders. He literally went to town, removing all the high places of idolatry, removing all of the idols from the land, bringing spiritual reformation to the whole nation of Judah. But he also had ups and downs like me and you. In the 14th year of his reign, an invading king came in and attacked and defeated him. He prayed, he fasted, God ended up delivering him. Side note, just because this is one of the things I love about Hezekiah that I've ripped off from my life, is when the king sent this letter, this threat, that I'm never gonna leave this land that I've conquered. You know what Hezekiah did? I love this. I don't know why I love this, but I love this. It says that Hezekiah spread the letter before the Lord. And the Lord read it. I know that may sound so, you just went wild. Like I thought you'd go wild. But I got to tell you, for some reason, occasionally, just occasionally, if I don't even feel like I have the words to say, I'll I'll journal out a prayer before God and I'll put it before him. And I'll say, God, just like you read Hezekiah's words, will you read these words? And will you you answer and will you hear my prayers? And so uh, we're going to get to the passage in a minute. Some of you are thinking, what does this have to do with Jesus? Are we ever going to get to the Bible? We will, I promise. But In the prime of Hezekiah's life, this prophet named Isaiah, maybe you've heard of him, they lived in the same time, came to Hezekiah and gave him a prophecy. Now, I don't know what kind of uh, churches you grew up in. I I don't know if you've ever had somebody come up and give you like a word, like a prophecy. Sometimes people are crazy. (laughs) And then sometimes it's awesome. Like I have friends in my life that that flow in in genuine gifts of just... They're, they're not weird, they're normal, but they know how to hear from God, and they're powerful moments. So I don't know what kind of, if you've had that, what kind of things people have said to you. But Isaiah came to Hezekiah in the middle, and the prime of his life. He's one of the few good kings. He's done the right things. God's just delivered him from this army, and he gets a prophecy, a word for the Lord. And you'll never guess it if I didn't tell you. Isaiah gives him this word and says, thus saith the Lord, you're about to die. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, how would you like that? <laughs> Pastor Jesse, this is our next-gen pastor. Can you just give it up for Pastor Jesse? He is the man. What if he got, to, what, what if you were just singing ruins and <laughs> Pastor Jesse gets down from hosting and he just comes up to you and says, hey, this may sound weird. I just kind of felt like the Lord put something on my heart to share with you. You're getting ready to die. But this is what he told him. And I, I don't know about you, but do I have any, have any, any uh, hypochondriacs in the room? Okay, so I'm not a hypochondriac, but let me just tell you something. When I get something convinced in my mind, it is impossible to get out of it if I think something's wrong with me. And a few years ago, uh, when I lived in Atlanta, there was a bodybuilder in our church, and he told me, you know, I mean, I'll try to exercise from time to time, but he told me, he said, I, I want to take you to work out. I want to show you what a real workout looks like. And I was like, okay. He worked me out so hard that the next day I got physically sick. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. I got physically sick. I was bedridden for two days. It's not that funny. I was, <laughs> is, I don't know. That wasn't a punchline. Um, what's wrong with you? Um, bedridden for two days. I end up going to the hospital. Some of you are still like, when are we getting to the Bible? Um, I, was, I went to the hospital and I told them what was going on. And they told me, they said, okay, we think you're fine. We're going to do a little blood work. They said, but come back this afternoon just so we can make sure, you know, just in case. I said, just in case? What does that mean? They said, well, you, well, you know, just from what you share with me about the workout and everything like that, I was like, wait, what? And they said, well, there's a slight possibility. It's not probable, but it's a slight possibility. You know, it, it could be kidney failure. I said, what? He said, yeah. I said, it's, a, you know, it's probably not, but we just wanted you to come back. And I said, just out of curiosity, what would happen if it was kidney failure? I said, well, you would die. That's what she told me. That's what this nurse told me. Now, listen, me of big faith, I'm just going to be straight up. I do not like country music. I left the hospital that day and listened to Live Like You're Dying, Tim McGraw, for the rest of the entire day. I promise you. I promise you. I went there. You can judge me all you want to. I thought, I have 48 hours to find a bull named Fu Manchu to ride, to go Rocky Mountain climbing, to love a little sweeter, to live a little deeper. I don't even remember all the words. But <laughs> don't you dare judge me. I just, <laughs> like, what do you do when you find out that you might be dying? And we're going to, I promise, here's where we're going to go to the Bible. And I'm going to give you a few quick lessons and then let you go eat Popeye's. I promise. But I want us to check out this passage. This is, this is actually in two places in Scripture. Um, but it says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. And then it says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, I just want to, I'm going to stop as I'm going through this. I don't know why, but I love where it says he turned his face to the wall. Um, I can't prove it, but I feel like Hezekiah may be a little bit like me, an introverted extrovert, <laughs> where you probably would not guess this if you've had interactions with me, and you probably think I just live off coffee all day. But a lot of times, after I'm done extroverting on a Sunday, if it's, especially if, if it's just been a crazy day, I'll go to a restaurant and just stare at a wall. <laughs> Uh, sorry, that was, I, think, I feel like I just overshared because some people are like, what is, what is wrong with them? I'm praying for them. But every once in a while, it's just, you know, like, if I, I don't think I'm an introvert, but sometimes I just need to recharge. And, and I, I don't know why, but I love this image that when Hezekiah got this news, 
He didn't isolate and he couldn't ignore his problems, but he for a moment in his mind had to lock his direction in the, in the direction of God. Like he, he had to lock his eyes with the face of God. He had to, for a moment, say internally, I've got to go to a place with God right now. And so he faced the wall and he prayed to the Lord. And, and I love this. It says, he said, remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And, you know, even as, as I was just here last night, standing right here praying for you, I couldn't help but just since there's some of you, that's been you this week, that you have wept tears that maybe even your friends and family don't know about. And that there's anguish in your heart that maybe even the people closest to you have no idea is there. And for me, it encourages me when I see great men of God like Hezekiah. It does not mean he's less of a great person of God because he has moments where he is completely vulnerable and open and broken before God. And I want to tell somebody, your tears don't make you weak. They make you human. And your pain makes you human. And I want you to know that even when you, if you feel like no one has seen your tears, God has seen your tears. And it says he faced the wall and he wept bitterly. And then it says this, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. I go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have, can we just say this together? I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. Can we all say that together? I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. That's about 20%. Let's all say it. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears, and I will heal you. Now, this message is about process, but can I just be honest if we were to make a whole sermon series out of this passage, the first message I would call, what happens when God changes his mind? I know theologically that sounds weird, but I want you to think about the power of this moment. Because I'll be honest, um, in, in that season uh, where I thought I was dying, <laughs> I, was, I was laying in bed, and I asked God, I said, God, would you heal me? And he wouldn't heal me. That sounds disrespectful. Okay, he eventually healed me, but not immediately. And I remember I praying, God, if you're not going to heal me, would you at least speak to me? And I don't usually play Russian roulette with scripture, but I'm telling you, I, I grabbed my Bible and I said, God, speak to me. And my eyes landed on the, the title on top of this passage that says, Hezekiah's illness and recovery. And in that moment, in that day, God may not have healed me physically, but he began to heal me in places emotionally. And look, I know that life doesn't always go dramatically. God doesn't heal everybody on this side of eternity. I know that. I know our stories don't always have a nice little bow around them like the cheesy Christian movies. I know that. But I don't want us to miss this principle that the posture of Hezekiah's heart completely changed the outcome of his life. I don't want us to miss the power of what happens in the deepest moments of brokenness if we can incline our direction towards God because I just want you to picture the aerial view of this. Isaiah walks across the courtyard to give this message to Hezekiah that you're gonna die. Then he turns around and starts walking back. But Hezekiah breaks and humbles himself in the presence of God and says, God, you've gotta do something. God, would you see me? God, would you hear my tears? And mid-stride, while Hezekiah or Isaiah is walking out, God stops him and says, stop right there. 
I actually want you to go back and tell him, I have seen your tears and your prayers, and I'm actually going to heal you. And I just want to tell somebody in the room that this passage should tell you that no situation is too hopeless. That there is no context in which God, I was reading through scripture yesterday where Abraham, God asked Abraham and Sarah because he promised them a child, but they were both 100 years old. And this may sound, this may sound so simple for somebody, but this message leapt off the page and into my heart and I thought about it all day. God asked Sarah and Abraham, he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe you should put that over every situation in your life this week and this month that you're so worried about. Is anything too hard for God? And he spoke, and he, he said, and here's what I love. God not only answered his prayer, he exceeded his prayer. He said, not only am I going to heal you, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Oh, and by the way, those enemies that you've been worried about, that you've been worried are going to come against you, I'm going to defeat them, and you're never going to have to worry about them again. And so I love it. That's a good place to celebrate, by the way. But what I love about this passage the most, and here's where I promise you, this is gonna be the, I've told you, this is going to be the simplest message you've ever heard me speak. What I love about this passage the most, though, is that even though God supernaturally spoke a word that he was going to heal him, there was still a process involved. I love that. I love that. And if you're taking notes, three W's that, were, that I see in this process of Hezekiah's story. The first one started, the first W is a word. God spoke a word. I don't want us to miss this reality that one word from God can change everything. I, I know in my life, in the toughest seasons of my life, I was thinking this past week about four or five years ago, I, I was about to take a 30-day a, a kind of sabbatical break from ministry, and my life had, had hit a wall, so to speak, and I was just in a, I was, I was not, you, you ever just, this is what I love about this church that we can be honest, you ever just been in here and everybody else is going crazy around you, excited, but inside you just feel numb? I just felt numb. Everybody else is worshiping, and I just, inside I felt numb. I'd flown to South Carolina to, to be with my family during the, just a really painful time, and I hadn't felt anything in weeks, but I remember I was standing in, in worship, and just, I know it sounds weird, but as clear as you're hearing my voice, I heard the voice of God speak and say, Russ, I'm about to give you a supernatural strength for this season. And I'm telling you, it may sound weird, or it may sound whatever, but strength surged back into my soul and into my life to face the days, weeks, and months ahead. And can I just tell you that it is with a word of God that the universe came into existence? It is with a word of God that Jesus came to, everything begins from the creative mouth of God. And can I just say this? Um, the most important thing that can happen to you and me is to get a word, a message, a, a promise from God. What do I mean by that? It may be something as simple as, the Holy Spirit whispering to your heart. It may be something as simple if you're a practical person is to get in scripture every day. Can I say it this way? Maybe the greatest way to get a word from God is just to daily get in the word of God until something leaps off the page to your soul. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever, you ever, you ever seen like real milk? Like not ultra pasteurized milk, but milk that comes actually from a farm and it's got like the cream on top. Anybody? You're all city folk. Anybody? Anybody seen that? Okay, we got can I say it this way? If this analogy helps, read the word of God each day. Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 50 minutes until something rises to the top. And then skim that cream and bottle it up in your heart. 
That's a word from God because the same Holy Spirit that wrote it can inspire it and reveal it and make it timely to your situation. Hey, let's say it this way. The last eight weeks have been words from God. Anybody like me, soul work? Just unreal. But part number two, the second W after word is away. In other words, the method, the practical. I love, love, love. I just said it. I want to say it again. I love the fact that even though God spoke a supernatural word to Hezekiah, there was still a process involved. Did you catch this? Like, he, he, even though he said you're going to be healed, he was not immediately healed. He said you're going to get your friends and they're going to put a poultice. Is that how you say it? No. They're, they're going to put a, a poultice, a poultice they're going to put some figs on your body. Now, several things. Can I, can I tell you, that wouldn't be spiritual enough for some people. But sometimes God does a supernatural thing through natural means. Sometimes God wants you to spend a night in prayer, and sometimes God wants you to get some exercise, to sleep, and to call a counselor. And I love the fact that even though there was a supernatural word, there, there, was, there was a process involved. And, and can I say it this way? The prophecy from Isaiah, the prophecy initiated the healing. The process implemented it. Can I tell you, every Sunday morning, I think it's amazing that we're all here, but can I tell you really what Sundays are designed for when you hear a word from God? Is it really is designed just to start something. Like it's supposed to be a spark that catalyzes motion in our lives. It's supposed to be something... It's supposed to be a word that I hear it, I grab it, and then I integrate it into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Can I tell you this? The miracle's in the process. Let me say it this way. The promises of God that we love so much, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can start playing. I'm going to shut up soon. Um, uh, all All those promises are amazing. I love the fact The greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I love the fact that I'm not left as an orphan, but I'm a son of the most high God, that my name is written in heaven. I love the fact that I don't have to live in fear, but I'm called more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. I love the fact, Romans 8, 1, that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love the fact that up here it's not on me because the prophet said it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I love that. But can I tell you what I thought about all week? Is that the promises of God that we love, that we enjoy so much, that we tattoo on our bodies and that we put on our shirts and that we post cute little Instagram on social media. Can I tell you this? The promises of God were not given for our enjoyment, but for our engagement. And some of us can come to church for 30 years and never step into the destiny that God is dreaming over our lives because we hear the word and then go on. I love the message translation of 1 Peter. It says this, it talks about the promises of God like they're the, the tickets of God and it, it says this, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Watch this, your tickets to participation 
in the life of God. The promises of God are not tickets for observation, but participation. And when we onboard his promises and then walk them out in day-to-day life, can I just tell you something? I know this may not be shouting material, but that's where the miraculous happens. That's where miracles happen. Look, I, I know that miracles happen instantly. Look, we recorded a Holy Spirit lab this week. I'm so excited for everything that's to come in season two and three. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's unreal things coming. And we talked about, because it's faith building, to talk about the miracles. I was telling them about one time I was, I was in Lexington, Kentucky, and a lady named Luann, she was so sweet. And she, uh, she'd been coming to the church for years. I'll never forget one time on a Sunday, she came for prayer at the end, and I prayed for her, and this, uh, I, I really trust when I tell these stories, you know this is not anything on me. You get to know me. You know how jacked up I am. This is just, God just does these things. And I remember, I don't remember what I was praying, but at the end of the service, she came up to me, and she was, I mean, freaking out. Like, tears running down her face, doing this. And I was thinking, security, <laughs> come on. I don't know what's happening to Luann, but something has gone wrong. Something's not right. And finally, when she could dry her tears and talk, she just said, she goes, I don't know how you knew, but my shoulder, I've not been able to move it for weeks. I thought I was going to have to have surgery, but I don't know. Do you realize that you, when you prayed for me, you prayed for my shoulder and God instantly healed it? Can I just be honest? I lied. I said, yeah. <laughs> don't you dare judge me, a bunch of Pharisees. I... So God will heal in an instant. I've seen it a dozen, hundred times. But can I be honest? I, I know I joke about how I don't, I'm not a big sports fan, but I did play baseball for, from like kindergarten through high school, and I pitched. I was a pitcher, so from every, every two or three years, I'll have trouble with this shoulder. And so I, I, I go to the chiropractor because when it really starts bothering me, I can't, um, I can't work out like I want to. And I remember one time I went, and it was hurting so bad, and he told me, he said, you you've got to start doing these exercises at home. Well, the exercises were so painful. If you've ever been through physical rehab, you know. And I just told him, I said, look, I can't do that. It hurts so bad. He said something. I don't even know if he realized what he said when he said it, but the way I think and process, I wrote it down immediately. I'm like, oh, that's a word for me. He said, look, he says, what doesn't move won't heal. And I can't help but wonder if one of the reasons that Hezekiah experienced this healing was because he chose to engage in his assignment. Can I tell you, the the antidote to depression is purpose and engaging in assignment and taking a step. I love the fact that today, see, if I were to just simplify this message into one sentence, it wouldn't even be a statement. It would be a question. And here's the question. What process is God inviting you to commit to today? What process? Can I say it like this? Can can I say this in more? Can I speak to the dreams and destiny that I believe are all over this room? That I actually believe that in this room are hundreds of books still unwritten and songs left unsung and families left unmade and businesses left uncreated and dreams left not stepped into, healing and deliverance and freedom not fully engaged in. And can I tell you, if you're anything like me, the main thing that holds you back is you feel like God is demanding that you commit to perfection when really he's just inviting you to commit to a process. 
Because if you're anything like me, I tend to think, man, I've got to get my crap together first. I've got to clean. Some of you are thinking about Jesus today, but you're thinking in the back of your mind, because I talked to some of you about this. Man, I got to clean up my act first. I got to get myself together first. I got to make sure I, I, and God is not asking you for, for you to clean anything up. He's asking you to just take a step towards him. He's saying, will you take a journey with Jesus? He's speaking to an Abraham today and saying, let's come on, let's go to the land. I will show you. But where are we going? How are we going to get there? Don't worry about that. You just take a step. You just come on. Let's just take a journey. Let's just go. Let's just go. And here's the beauty. When you take a step, when you have a moment where you choose to take a step, that moment turns into motion, and you keep consistent enough, that motion will turn into momentum. And you'll look back and say, that was a miracle. I had a student, when I was a student pastor, I had a student one time that wanted to become a leader. And he opened up to me and he just said, look, I, I want to become a leader in, in the student ministry, but I, I got this struggle in my life. And he opened up about it and said, so he just cried. You could tell he's so broken, so ashamed. He said, so what do you say? I said, well, you're not welcome here. I'm kidding. I just, I just wanted to. I said, are you kidding me? I said, we're all jacked up. I said, welcome to the club. Everybody's got a place here. I said, now here's what I will say. If you want to step into leadership, then when it comes to the struggle in your life, here's what I would say. God's never asking for perfection. My question is simple. Will you commit to a process of health? I know you, I know you think there's no way I can ever get over this addiction. There's no way I could ever do this thing. I know there's, God's not asking you to figure it all out. He's just saying, will you step into a process? Will you, you know what I love about today? Hundreds of people have committed to a process of freedom. Hundreds of people have committed to a process of getting in a circle. What I love about today is, uh, stole my thunder. What was it this past Monday night? I had to drive. I had to be there, A, because I heard there was going to be pizza. But B, because I wanted to celebrate the last week of Financial Peace University. And are you kidding me? In nine weeks, $77,000 of debt paid off, over $30,000 added, 29 credit cards cut up. Several people began giving for the first time. Several people increased their giving. Why? Because they knew how it was all going to work? No, I talked to several of them who in tears told me, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of debt in front of me. But they committed to a process. And my question is really, really simple today. What process is God inviting you to step into? And I can promise you this. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He doesn't call you to do anything alone. He calls you to walk alongside him because he's with you in the journey and he's gonna empower you for every next step. And the thing about Jesus that I love, it's frustrating, but I love it, is that many times he won't show you three miles ahead. He'll just show you the next step. You ever read where it says the word of God is a lamp into our feet? It doesn't say it's a moonbeam. I wish it was. Many times it'll show you the next step. And then once you take that step, you'll see the next step. And I've quoted it a million times. I'll quote it a million more times. I love where C.S. Lewis says, what saves a man or a woman is just to take a step and then another. Lao Tzu said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Let me ask you, what is your next step? And you can stand to your feet. The third W is really simple, and it's simply this. It's God gives a word, God gives a way, and God gives a we. Did you notice? 
that he said these figs, he said, get your friends to put them on you. God always heals and accomplishes your life in the context of community. I'll never forget a time when I called up a friend. I was so bound up in shame over something, and I'd been putting off a conversation. I'll never forget when I finally called him and told him what was going on, and and he looked, he just, I'll never forget the weight that came off my shoulders. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Russ, I know there's a journey ahead, but I don't even know if you can feel it right now on the phone, but healing just began because you took this step. And maybe a first step today is just to call a friend, call a counselor, take a moment. And so I just want to encourage you, what is, what's your next step? James says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. We go to God for forgiveness. We go to each other for healing. God heals us through each other. I want to say this over every person in this room. God specializes in building and rebuilding lives. And there's no one under the sound of my voice that no matter how you feel today, you don't have hope on the table for you. And there's no one under the sound of my voice. You got to hear this. I just feel this. There's no one under the sound of my voice that God has given up on you. It's not too late for anyone in this room for God to fulfill his purpose over your life. What's the step? And so every head bowed, every eye closed. God, thank you that you are the God who redeems. And Lord, I know we've talked about the process, but there's something even more important than that. And that's your presence. And that's the person of Jesus. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, can you, why don't you just ask God right where you are? Lord, what are you speaking to me? Just ask him, God, what's my next step? What, are you, what process are you inviting me to commit to? Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you, and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church, or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.